you guys this morning. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. I, I want you to encourage you to stick around at the end of the service. We're going to have a water baptism. Amen. We've got, uh, I believe, 10 people being baptized today. So I, I want to get the announcements out of the way as you take your Bibles. I want you to go to Colossians, the second chapter, and Romans, the sixth chapter, Colossians 2 and Romans 6. Uh, annual business meeting tonight will be at 5 o'clock, so all of our voting members, please be out at 5. We're going to have a little gift for you. Uh, also, if you haven't decided and you're prayerfully considering the positions that are open, you'll see the names listed in the foyer. Also, next Saturday, our uh, regular prayer in the sanctuary will be dismissed in lieu of the men's prayer breakfast slash work day. And so we could use your help if you got some chainsaws and gloves just show up, truck trailers, we're going to be uh, clearing out uh, some brush at the bottom of the hill. Also, there's going to be a Hispanic Outreach Ministry Saturday, March the 2nd, and they're going to be hosting a, boost, a booth at the annual Spring Fest, and so if you would like to volunteer for that, see Pastor Liz, just wave at us, Pastor Liz, yeah, right here, all right, Bibles and Burgers, amen, best burger in town, I promise you. Uh, it's going to be, uh, they're going to be meeting at J-Lou uh, Park. It's going to be, nope. Wagon Wheel the Second in, in Quinlan, Tawakini. See, you won't remember any other announcement except for that one. When you turn on the races, you're not even looking for the race. You're looking for the wreck. <clears throat> I don't know why, it's just the way we are. I'm not condemning you, I'm just acknowledging the truth. Today, we, uh, we, have, been, we have been headlong into community, and this is part of community, is water baptism. But today, I want to I talk to you about baptism, the significance of it, what it represents to us. And as the Lord has revealed this to me in, in recent months, it was not a teaching I'd ever received before. But once he brought some clarity to it, now it's just like I can't see it any other way. So I'm hoping today that the Lord will speak to your heart. Father, we just want to once again acknowledge our overwhelming dependency upon you. I pray, Father God, that you would truly, Lord God, Choose the words that are spoken and heard today, that your will, Father, may be accomplished, that not one individual may escape this room without feeling the touch of your loving hand. <clears throat> and everybody said amen. amen. Let's look at, I'm going to read a number of verses, and some of you that are in the New Testament and your Bible reading, you can count this toward that, okay? Second Let's look at uh, Colossians 2. In him, who's, who's the him? Jesus. You were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh, a circumcision of Christ. Now, I want you to see in verse 12. Buried with him in baptism... And which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13. 
And you being dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I love this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which were contrary to us, he has taken them out of the way. He has nailed it to the cross. But he didn't stop there. Having disarmed principalities, powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in death. What's the end result of sin? Somebody tell me. Death. So when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, what was the declaration? He defeated sin. He did, you get two stars. Work on the third one, the third one you want. But hear me. It's because he rose again. Death had no claim upon him. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was wholly set apart from sin. He was separated from sin and set apart to God. He is holy. Now we have the privileged opportunity to be holy as well. Not in and of ourselves and our own works and conduct, but we are holy because he is holy. Now look at Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. He didn't save us to leave us in the cage. He saved us to destroy the cage. I don't want a salvation that doesn't deliver me. I don't want a salvation that leaves me in my pig pen. I don't want a salvation that that doesn't help me to overcome sin, Satan, and self. How shall we we who died to sin live any longer in it? Paul's asking the question in the church of Rome. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Notice this. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also shall walk in a newness of life. You can go on and read the rest of that if you'd like. Okay, I will. For if we have been united together in the likeness of death, notice that, certainly his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who was dead has been freed from sin. You got a sin problem? You ain't dead. You want to free from sin? Die to self. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
but the life he lives, he lives to God. So, did we die with the Lord in surrender to his sacrifice? Then that's the only way that we raise with him. And if he rose as the example for us until he becomes the example of us, he lived his life unto God the Father. Which, how should we live? Unto God the Father. Likewise, you also reckon yourself dead indeed to sin. For alive to God and in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I want you to see here in both of these passages, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and also to Rome. He was giving us the understanding of water baptism. Water baptism is a portrait. It's a portrait and a proclamation. The portrait is our salvation experience. There will be those that have made confessions of faith, surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They will be baptized today. There's going to be some children. There's going to be some adults. But they have come to the place to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is their Lord. That what happens is there is a supernatural occurrence that takes place at salvation. It is uh, the convergence of the supernatural God intermingling with our spirit and breathes into us the breath of life and we become a living spirit. Amen. It is supernatural. And I think too often in the body of Christ, we have substituted, we have substituted this experience with just to come to the altar, make this profession at any time that feels convenient to you, and just go ahead and continue in this pseudo-grace and go live like you want to live. No, folks, let me tell you, the altar is a place of absolute surrender. The Greek word for that is mespha. It is a slaughtering place. It is where the sacrifice dies. And, folks, if there wasn't the sacrifice of Christ, we would still be dead in our sins. It is only through his resurrection that we have life. But the beautiful part of the undesirable tree of life is it doesn't have the fruit that is maybe desirable to the fleshly eye. Because in order for me to live, I must die in Christ to my old ways and my old man so that he may resurrect on the inside of me. But we look at the Word of God, and I love pictures. I've always loved pictures. In fact, when I was a kid, I, I had difficulty reading, and so I would always look at the pictures. Pictures are worth a thousand words, and I found out that the Lord God loves pictures as well. <laughs> he gives us word pictures over and over in the Word. And what we see here is Paul is drawing from, same as what Jesus would draw from, from the teaching of the Torah, teaching of the Word of God. He was drawing from that to show us the imagery that God has. He was giving us pictures, and the Lord has given us pictures. Anytime that you see the covenant people passing through the water, it is a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection. See, because if you believe that you will be resurrected, either at the coming of the Lord 
I mean, coming of the Lord while you're still walking with breath in your nostrils or being brought up from the grave. Ultimately, the coming of the Lord. But if you believe that you will be resurrected, there's one prerequisite. You must be dead in yourself. So water baptism is that portrait. As Paul is telling us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we, we enter the baptismal tank and we, whether it be a river, whether it be a pond, whether it be a, a, an actual baptismal tank here, when we enter in, it is a portrait that happens at salvation. We are buried with him. We are dead. And when we are resurrected, uh, when we come out of that grave, we are not who we were. That's what happens at salvation. Now, to punctuate this picture, we see in the Word of God how that the three occurrences that we discover that when the covenant people passed through the waters was at the flood, was at the Red Sea, and at Jordan. It was a portrait of the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, what happened at the flood and what caused the flood? The world was filled with sin. It was so wicked. God ushered to the ultimate end of humanity because they were bent on destroying one another. We had the, 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 and the fallen angels. We have a lot of stuff that's going on. But nonetheless, the Bible tells us that men's heart were continually upon wickedness. And God knew in order to bring a covenant that would last so until his return is he had to bring people out of that wicked environment and give humanity a restart, if you will. He put them in the garden. They refused to obey the commands of God. So God put the garden inside of a, the ark, which is Noah's ark, to bring them to a place of safety. Now, the Bible tells us that water had never fallen from the sky. That the earth was, was water from a mist that comes from underneath. The atmospheric conditions were different. But also the environment of wickedness was so strong that when Noah and his family, which was only eight people, entered the ark, all eight of them entered the ark, the Bible says God closed the door. Don't think you come in when you decide because the Lord will close the door on you. So the Lord closed the door. And when he closed the door, the Bible says that the waters came from above and they were also broken up from underneath. And the entire earth was flooded. It rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now they went into the ark type of passing through the water. They went into the, went to the ark, and the world behind them died. Then the door was open, and they stepped into a, the world, but the world was not the same. Brand new world. Totally new world. See, when we come into relationship with God, 
in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart, there should be a transformation that takes place. As you have entered into the ark of safety, which is Jesus Christ, and you are now saved because of his sacrifice, and you pass through the waters, you go into the death, and you come out on the other side, your world should be different. I would liken that to our nature. See, I was born into the world just like you were born into the world, and we were born into the world with the nature of sin. And when we come out on the other side, we come out with a new nature. Now, I had a small inklings like I, I thought I might want to escape hell, but not enough to live for the Lord. I'd go to the church and I'd fall into conviction. That's what church is for. To bring people in. It's not to make you comfortable. It is to make you uncomfortable. It is to challenge you where you're at. It's to say to you, God has a purpose and a plan for you. God has more in store for you than you could even imagine. But you've got to partake of the same fruit each and every saved person has to take from. It may not be a desirable tree, but my God, it will bring you life. And that life is worth living. And without it, life is really not worth living. So it wasn't until I came to the place in myself where I said, God, save me or kill me, but I can't stay the same. He did both and answered my request. He killed me and saved me. And I died to self, and he rose again. Now, the things that I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. Something changed. I was a drunk and a drug addict. I will tell you right now, I'm a teetotaler. What that means is I do not partake in alcohol. I don't endorse it. I don't see any good from it. Two things that were abused in my house. Alcohol and me. That's three. And drugs, legal and illegal. But see, you say, well, that was just your experience. How much does any person start drinking thinking that, man, I can't wait to become a drunk? Like my daddy and my daddy's daddy and my daddy's daddy's daddy. So I want you to know, when I came into salvation, I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, but I want it publicly known today, I do not drink alcohol. I don't partake in it. I've had opportunity to, and the one time alcohol crossed my lips, I was in a foreign country, and they were serving wine at communion. I thought, you got one in on me on that one. Why? Because it is destructive. I taught my children not to drink. 
I've taught my children not to, not to partake, not to be judgmental, but not to partake because that lineage there is one that you don't want to inherit. It brings destruction. And I've never seen, oh, you say, well, preacher, you can't prove it's biblically right or biblically wrong. No, but I can tell you by experience that alcohol is a destructive force and it is, it is going to, if you continue in that, it'll destroy your witness, it'll destroy the work, it'll destroy what is good in your life if you continue on that path. If it's not a big deal, then quit it. But see, where do we stop? Do we stop there? Or maybe those prescriptions, those opioids you can't get off of. Do we stop there? What about the plate sitting in front of us? Do we stop there? See, I, I don't want to clothesline you. What does that mean? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Is that where we run and take it on the neck? No. It's not a football move. It's hanging out the dirty laundry and pointing this out, and this is bad, and this is bad. I want you to operate because the Spirit of God is within you. And though it, 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 it's a situation where you, you look at that and you're thinking, man, this is not going to send me to hell, but it might send your neighbor to hell. Because if I start popping tops up here and slamming them down, there's some of you in here this morning would justify your alcoholic behavior. It is vital. It's absolutely necessary. And if it is required of me, it is required of you. Amen? If it diminishes my witness in your life, it diminishes your witness in my life. So I just want to go on record. I don't endorse it. I don't think it's a good thing. Because I've watched alcohol destroy my own family. Destroy my father, destroy my stepfather, destroy my mother. On and on and on. So I raised my kids not to drink. Not to partake in it. Just want to throw that in. But see, what happened is... I went from an old environment. When I got on the other side, see, I went into the ark of Christ, but when I stepped out, it was a new world. I remember the night of my salvation. I surrendered to the Lord, laying in my bed at 711 Jefferson Street, and just asked, praying to God, struggling. I, I mean, it was, it was all kinds of spiritual warfare that's going on. I didn't realize it at the time. I was just struggling, and I felt hell pulling me one way, God pulling me the other. And I was so sick of my life, I couldn't stand it anymore. And then I surrendered. I just gave all up to the Lord. And I woke up that next morning, and I was free. My God, I was free. Didn't mean my struggles were over. Just meant I, I was free. I wanted to be free. And I wanted my children to be free. So that brings us to the Red Sea crossing. So the first passing through the waters, you go from an old world to a new world. 
an old nature to a new nature. You come into the, come out of Egyptian bondage, and they're getting ready to cross through the Red Sea. Another portrait of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the death, burial, and resurrection, God opens the door to the Red Sea, and as they cross through, as they pass through the Red Sea, now, all of a sudden, the waters, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, the waters, yes, Lord, we'll do it right now, the waters close back up on them. Now, can anybody who's reading the Bible or have studied this, these passages of Scripture, can you tell me how the door opened up of the Red Sea so that they could pass through? That's, that's good. That was, that's what came as the result. Hmm? See? Yep, God. Close, but no. What did he do? The Bible says that he stretched, you'll find this in Exodus, he stretched his hand over the sea. Over the sea. What is this a universal symbol of? So God opened the door at surrender. You're saying, how do I obtain this un unobtainable? You do so by surrender. I surrender my life. Now the wonderful thing is this. Pharaoh, which represents Satan and all of his horde, came after them and wanted to go through the same passage. But they got to the other side. And God had already taken the wheels off of the chariots, so they had to run them with such, with such hard, they couldn't, they think, oh my God, we got to get out of here, God's on their side. Oh, funny time to realize it. So the Bible tells us, universal sign of surrender, stretch your hands over the sea, God calls the east wind to blow, those, those waters were parted, they stayed parted until they got to the other side. God opened that door at surrender. Now listen to me. Those of you that are fresh in your faith, those of you that are struggling, you say, I'm a child of God, but I'm having difficulty, you know, maintaining my, 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 my walk with him. I need help right now. How do I close the door? It's the same way you open the door. The Bible says that he stretched his hands, Moses stretched his hands over the sea, and the sea that opened for him is also the sea that closed for him. Surrender opens the door to salvation. Surrender closes the door on the enemy. You will only struggle in areas that you are not surrendered. If you're, not, if you're still struggling, then you're not what? But if you stop struggling, you surrender. You open a door, surrender, God brings me through, death, burial, and resurrection, it's a portrait of salvation, same thing that it did for Christ, it's done for me, if it's not, then we might as well close the book and head out the door and go to the lake, do something pretty outside, and we just, but we understand there's a reality, we have died with him, thus we have risen with him, and so now, 
God has given us victory. Uh, we've given us a new nature, living in a new reality. And now the Lord has brought us through, and at the cross, the Lord judged Satan in all of his horde, and now he no longer has control over your life. You do what you want to do, because child of God, you have the power to do it. So if you don't want to be depressed, don't be depressed. If you want to live in victory, then live in victory. Why and how can I say that? It's because I've died with him and I have surrendered to him. I got to the other side. And now every time the enemy comes along and tells me that this temptation is too much and it is uncommon to man, you go, wait just a minute, I've got a sneaky move. It is not this. No, 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 no. It's just this. It's just this. It's just this. Oh, my God, if I could just get people to this, if I could just get them to this, oh, what the Lord could do in this house. Oh, what salvation would come. What doors could be closed if I could just do this. Oh, God, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Oh, man. I don't want to live. I, I really don't want to live less than that. I don't. Oh, I'm telling you. I sit by the I sit by the shore. I'm sitting now because I'm tired. And I watch humanity. God, where is the transforming power? Where is the transforming power? He said, it's the same place it's always been. It's at the cross. How do we access it? Through surrender. I prayed for this drug addict boy. I prayed for him 102 times. I really did. We were there one Sunday morning and blistered lips. He'd been smoking on a crack pot. It was sad. Young man. Young family, young kids, come to the altar, set me free, set me free, set me free. He'd been out smoking his pipe the night before, and he'd come into the church. One morning, he, he fell out, and I had a deacon there that was always helping me the altar. He was part of the CMA, motorcycle ministry. Shout out to the CMAers. So, one morning, he was about this tall. Lee Fogelman reminds me, same height, same stature, same spirit, everything. So here's Brandon. He lifts his hands up to the Lord, and spirit begins to move. And there's uh, Ken, Ken, Ken Watt. He was standing behind Ken Black, Ken Watt, Ken Black, standing behind. And Brandon starts to fall. Brandon's about this tall, and so Ken just goes. Whoop. I said, Ken, what are you doing? He said, Man, that boy crushed me. <laughs> I said, Well, maybe he needed it. I don't know. There's no guarantees. Don't do courtesy falls. Amen? But he kindly came to, I would prayed about this. I said, Lord, where's the power to deliver this boy? Where is it at? His family needs him to be delivered. The Lord said, it's the same place it's always been. It's at the cross. And it only comes at the result of dying. And when he surrenders, he will be set free. And I'm pleased to tell you that there came a day where he surrendered and he was set free. I'm talking about a man who smoked a crack pipe every day, of his, every day of his life. 
He is free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So they passed through the water at the flood. Death, burial, resurrection. They passed through the water at the Red Sea. Death, burial, resurrection. They have been given a new nature. They've been given authority. In other words, they don't have a sin nature anymore. They have a, a new nature. They're not alienated from God anymore in their mind. They now are in a aligned mind where there's a compulsion on the inside of them where they begin to cry, Abba, Father, not, uh, not Almighty God, don't crush me in your... In your there's, there's something that happens in sonship. We all of a sudden now, we begin to refer to the Father as our Father. If you want to know how to pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. So there's this compulsion because we don't have a sin nature anymore. We're not alienated. We're now coming to alignment with God. Now we understand that there's power over Satan. Sin and now Satan because he brings us through the death, burial, and resurrection through the Red Sea. But now we got this wilderness wandering. What's that about? It's about old self. But there's going to be another crossing. There's going to be another crossing. It's going to be another crossing. It's not quite as big as the flood. It's bigger. It's not quite as big as the Red Sea. It's so much bigger. <laughs> They're going to cross through the Jordan. Another type of the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very thing that happens to you and I whenever we come into relationship with the Lord. Joshua, for time's sake, I'm going to read this to you. Joshua 3, verse 10. Well, verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here. Hear the words of the Lord your God. Folks, come here. Come. Come here. Hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he without fail will drive out from before you. And he lists the enemies, Canaanites, Hivites, Hittites, Pezerites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, all the sites. I want to drive them out. What would be the sign? What's going to be the sign that the in enemies have been destroyed and you're walking out of the wilderness into the land of promise? The parting of the Jordan. Anybody in your studies discover how the Jordan was parted? What were they holding? Ark of the Covenant. Very good. So <clears throat> when the priest, moseying along, you got this, Bob? I got it. You got that, George? You got it. Don't. And they step into the water. Water just backs all the way up. 20 miles to the city of Adam. You got to get a million plus people. And some, I always had imagined they went by two by two, you know. No. 
God made enough room, everybody crossed it one time. 20 mile stretch. You just pass on through. Now, what was the sign that victory was given? When the waters open, victory has been given. You can rest assured that all of the wilderness wandering, you will be able to conquer every enemy in that place of promise. And God knew they would be there ahead of time. You can conquer fear. You can conquer depression. You can conquer doubt. You can conquer abuse. You can conquer, conquer self-worth. You can conquer shame. All of those things are assured when the priest step into the Jordan and now the waters are parted, it is a portrait of the death, burial, and resurrection. They walk out of the wilderness of self into the promised land of God. They pass out of that place into the new place. And now they're going to walk in victory because they've been given this sign. Now when you study the word of God, you understand the Lord loves pictures. I think my love of pictures comes from him. So, what is the portrait of the Ark of the Covenant? We've studied this, but those of you that may be just now tuning in, the Ark of the Covenant is a representation and a symbol of Jesus Christ. Prove it. He is the bread that came down from heaven. What was inside of there? It was the omer of manna that they took up and put inside. What else was found inside of that ark was Aaron's rod that budded, the legitimate priesthood that could actually go before the Lord. Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We see that. But also the commandments, the law, the fulfillment of the law wasn't left in the wilderness. It was fulfilled as it was put inside of Christ. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, was God, saying the beginning with God. All things were made Him without Him. Not anything was made that was made in Him was life, Zoe. And now that life that is inside of us is the light of men. So, it'd be fun just to think about that, wouldn't it? But the Lord's got so much more in store. The assurance of victory would be the passing through the waters. Passing through the waters. So, many historians, I didn't make this stuff up. Many historians believe that when Jesus came down to be baptized by John, it was the very same spot. That the priests stood. They would have a reference, would they not? There's some rocks that were left there. Why did the Lord leave those stones there? So you would understand that one day there's going to be the real ark with the real mercy seat, with the real blood. And he's going to come to the place and he's going to show you something. And it was Luke, Matthew, and Mark all made this declaration at the baptism of Jesus by John, the priest. What happens is the word of the Lord says, the, wasn't the Jordan that opened? 
It was the heavens that opened. And when the heavens opened, there was a declaration. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What was the, what was the sign of victory for Joshua, Yeshua, Hebrew name for Jesus? What was the sign of victory for them? The parting of the Jordan. Don't you know that God wants us to see this? That the parting of the Jordan wasn't the Jordan that parted, it was the heavens that opened. You see it? So now you know you have victory over every enemy you face. Why? Because I opened up all of heaven to you. See, water baptism is a time that we come together and we experience the portrait of passing through the flood, passing through the Red Sea, and passing through the Jordan. It is, as Paul said, it is you are buried in his death, you are raised into his image. You now have the right and the ability through the shed blood of the Lamb to become a child of the King. So you have victory over sin, you have victory over Satan, and you have victory over self. I don't have to live in the wilderness anymore. I don't have to live in the wilderness anymore. See, a lot of folks are in the wilderness, and they're still in the testing part. They're still in the testing part. God wants to know, when I, if I get you over there, can you step into the place of promise and live in the, as a child of promise? No, you just keep going out on the seventh day and looking for bread that God said you can only gather on the sixth day. <laughs> if you won't obey me in the little things, how can I trust you with the big things? The Lord's progression was not just to bring them out, to leave them out. He brought them out of bondage of sin and Satan and self so that he could bring us into himself. So that whenever we hear the voice from heaven at the resurrection, after our death, after our burial, after he came up out of the water, there is a declaration, my son is inside of them and whom I am well pleased. So it is my obligation to stay in the son. And I want to live such that others can see the son in me, especially my children, especially my children, because what I might be able to get away with, I can't guarantee that they will be able to conquer. I don't want anything, and I made, this, I made this dedication to the Lord when I came into the kingdom. I said, God, with your help and your help only, it is only through the empowering grace, with your help and your help only, I'm asking, Lord, that you would empower me to forsake everything that would lead to bondage and especially lead my children to bondage. Because what I understood, what I allowed in my life 
in moderation? What I allow in my life, I've opened that, see, I've surrendered to it. And I've opened that door to my children. Oh, God, do I have to say it? Do I have to say it? I read through the Word, and I see there's a repetitive behavior of false image worship. And that repetitive behavior is this. They sacrifice their children on the altar. I said, God, that is so heinous, demonic. Lord, that is grotesque. And the Lord said, today it's more sinister than that. Because they're not offering their children on an altar to Moloch. They're offering their children on an altar of convenience. I want a convenient gospel that doesn't challenge me. I want a convenient gospel that doesn't cause any changes in my life. I want a convenient gospel because I'm like Hezekiah. I don't care if judgment comes on my kids. Just as long as I don't have to deal with it. Is this too much? I don't know if I can. I really don't. I really honestly don't. I'm, I'm watching and God is reshaping my whole understanding of death, burial, and resurrection. And how far we in the Western world have gotten away from his message. That as long as it makes me feel good and the preacher doesn't. See, it's when Aaron came. He was down as Moses was receiving the, the, the marriage covenant for Israel. They're up there. And he comes down. And, and Aaron's like, Moses like, what are you doing? People wanted it. We can blame the priesthood. But the people wanted it. They won't come unless you make it convenient. They won't come unless it's comfortable. They won't come unless, you know, we get chided. I get chided for wearing a suit jacket on a Sunday morning. And you'll tune into football and they're in a three-piece suit that weighs, costs more than my year's salary. And we pay them more. We got some stuff screwed up, folks. We find it convenient. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There's something so much better. There's a death. Bring forth a life when you surrender. Say, oh God, I can't do it. That's what I told the Lord when I came to salvation. I said, God, I cannot. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. He said, I know. I said, but Lord, I've got to do it. And he said, I know. 
I said, God, how do I? How? How? How, Lord? I don't want to make a profession. I want to have something when I get up. I want you, Lord. I want you, God. I'm sick of my life. I'm sick of my my, my decisions. I'm sick of the self-destruction. I'm sick of the lies, oh God. I'm sick of the compromise. I want my children to know you, Lord God. I don't know how to do this. He said, just surrender. Give it all. Surrender. And in that moment of surrender, what we call repentance, (laughs) I said, oh God, forgive me. And he did. And he stepped in. When I gave him all of me, he gave me all of him. And then he began to teach me, began to walk with me. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that empowers you. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to me. Lord, I don't know if I can give up the drink. He said, oh, yeah, you can give it up. Why? Because I've given it up. You can, I don't know if I can get, I, I don't know, Lord, am I, I need my eyes to be cleansed. He said, they'll be cleansed. I'm going to cleanse your heart, and it'll take, care of your, it'll take care of your eyes. But, Lord, you've heard my mouth. I've opened my mouth. There's some stuff that comes out, and I don't want it to come out. How can I be a witness if I've got this foul mouth? He said, don't worry. I'm going to fill your heart with something else. And when I get that heart filled, your conversation will change. What I need you to do is just put a guard over it long enough for me to get the work done. (laughs) So I'm offering you something today. Your life for his. Those of you who are being water baptized, Christina, are you in here? Christina? Okay. Go ask her if she wants to be out here to watch her kids be baptized or she want to go watch them from up here. If you're being water baptized, please go ahead and make your way out right now. If you're in this house, if you're listening, either live or recording, then the Holy Spirit is there with you. And you know that there has to be a change. You know there has to be a change. I'm going to invite you to this altar to do one thing. Surrender. Surrender. Let God open the door of salvation. That every time you face the enemy, what are you going to do? What got you in is what's going to keep you in. You just keep surrendering. Joseph, if I could have you come up. Just begin to play. Just a moment, I'm going to ask some folks to move this. Andrew, can you make this salvation call? No, no, no. I know you. She's teaching my own lessons. I always tell people, if you preach, you've got to give your own altar. I'm not looking for a show of hands or a closing of eyes. I'm going to ask you to stand in this room. And if your heart's not right, Joseph, just begin to play. If your heart's not right with God and you say, I need to die so that I can be resurrected to a new nature, conquering sin and self and Satan. If this 
it's not just this message is for you. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, and you can know if he's dealing with you because you've got a real deep unsettling and there is a compulsion inside of you saying this altar call is for you. I want to encourage you because you don't come to God at your time. You come when he's drawing and he is drawing in this room and you may step out of this house today and step into eternity and have forsaken your opportunity to respond to the spirit of repentance that is in this house. You say, I want to be radically, fanatically saved. I want to surrender to the Lord. As everyone stands, I want you to get to this altar right now. Come on. Come on. Get to this altar and say, that's me. That's me. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not playing games anymore. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to be here every time the doors are open. I'm going to break open the Word of God. I'm going to. I'm not going to make it in on my own merit, but I've got to know Him. I've got to know Him. I've got to know Him. My life is His. I'm surrendering right now. I'm surrendering right now. Come on, guys. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Now I'm going to have some. I'm going to have. Come on down, guys. Come on over, Scott. And listen to me. Leave it right here. Don't pick it up again. Leave it right here. Just lay your life down and let God get up on the inside of you. That means things are going to change. There's going to be some transformation in your life. Come on. The Lord's proud of you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. You're going to surrender. You're going to surrender. I'm going to go get ready for the water baptism. I want some men of God, some women of God. I want you to come. Come on now. Oh, God. Oh, God. In your own way, let it go. Let yourself, let let it go. It's not my life anymore. It's yours. It's not my life anymore. It's yours. It's not my life anymore. It's yours. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go.